As I mentioned earlier, we have a guest speaker here named Mark Lawson. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for over over 20 years. I was trying to think back. In, uh, he's an author, pastor, church planner. He's been married 45 years to three different women. No, 45 years to the same woman. I just mess with you. He has five kids, 13 grandkids, and he's a unique individual. Let's welcome Mark Lawson. Mark, why don't you come on up? Yeah. Hey, guys. How are you? I like being here. Thank you, the one person that... No. No, really, thank you. I'm very honored to be here and uh, like coming up to Charlotte, have for a long time. Glad to see John Mark and Sarah and Donna and uh, Pastor Robin and Chris and other people, but the McMillans are awesome people. And I think I, think I met Robin about 20-something years ago. I think it was 23 years ago at the land in Atlanta, and we were having a wild Holy Ghost conference there or something, and Robin was there, I was there, and it was a lot of fun. So, God is fun. Ready to have some fun? Yeah, it's about time, right? Uh, Religion, I hate religion. Um, I hate religion. Uh, Religion is doing God's stuff without him showing up. I hate it. Do you hate it? But I love it when God shows up. And he loves to show up because he's good. And um, if we ever get used to things happening without God showing up, we got a problem. Is that right? So uh, I love Holy Spirit-directed chaos against the devil. Because that was Jesus' mission. Isn't that good? So... Uh, it's really hard to believe, you know, in the South, it's really hard to believe that God is good because we're taught from cradle to grave that we, people, when bad things happen to, to people, somebody always says something like this. Well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And usually it's some horrible calamity and they blame the Lord. And that makes me angry. And that should make you angry. And can I say something to you, what Pastor Rob was saying just a minute ago? This is a very, you're a bunch, there's a lot of seers here. Do you know what a seer is? So you feel other people's stuff. And this, I believe this generation is a seer generation. And that's why they're so burdened with purpose and wanting to jump in and help people and fix things, right? So, uh, but don't beat yourself up. You're, it's the short word, the short, Definition for it is you're, you're empathetic. You pick up on other people's stuff. So a lot of times you'll come into a room, I'll be happy and, and all of a sudden feel depressed and go, what was that? And you're not depressed. Somebody else is. Ask the Lord who it's for. Is it, is it okay? Sometimes I'll ask you a question. You're like, is he confused? I am. That's why I'm asking you to make sure I don't, I don't get confused. But God is good and he's a good father. Amen. He's not the Godfather. You know, I don't like people treating him like he's the Godfather. He goes around doing bad stuff, you know, like the Godfather, like, uh, Vinny, you need to go uh, collect from John Mark. 
you know, uh, break some legs to get that money back. You know, God is not the Godfather. He's a good father. Amen. So I love the passage, uh, Psalm 27, 13. Oh, I would despaired of my life unless this awesome fact. I get to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord in heaven, right? There's no wheelchair ramp in heaven, right? We don't, you know, the pearly gates, it isn't like, yeah, oncology wards over there, and this is where the, this is where you get your Xanax. God doesn't do that. But God is good. Amen? And I've never been content with telling people about his goodness. I also want to show him his goodness by getting that devil off of them, or breaking that depression, or uh, getting them out of those crutches. I love that, because I'd rather show them than just tell them. And you know, the gospel, uh, we're supposed to show them. So a lot of your empathy that you feel burdened for people, don't stay burdened. Ask the Lord what it is and go do something about it. Is that okay? Got it? Okay. Didn't want to spend a whole lot of... Yeah, God's good. And yeah, Jesus drove money changers out and you say, but he's angry too. No, he's angry at people that make... If he's angry, he's angry at people that show him father in a... Show father in a bad light. And that's what we should be too. We should be trying to show off our dad how awesome he is, how good he is. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's kind. He's merciful. He, he's mysteriously good, not mysteriously bad, right? So, uh, and we got to think that way because Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, what? That's what they are. So the, so if we don't get this goodness of the Lord thing sorted out quick, and I love these songs, you know, I love songs talking about personal things that we go through. You, we, they used to call it the blues. And I guess in Christian jargon, I don't know what they're going to call it. But we need to talk about what we're going through. But then we talk about, and, and David did, he talked about the goodness of the Lord. Amen? So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say amen. I kind of freaked you out. Okay. Uh, so be it. <laughs> uh, but he he's a good God, and he's also our designer. So I was going to talk about the your purpose, finding your purpose today. Is that all right? So um, he's, he's, he's our designer. He's our engineer. Uh, Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus to himself to, according to the kind intention. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is kind. And he intends kindness to me. Kind intention. Does that sound nice? My wife's, if you've ever met Linda, and, and she's the nicest person probably that I, that ever lived. Uh, she's very kind. Oozes niceness. I'm not. <laughs> but she makes me nice. Because I look at what I want to do, and, and then I look at her, and she's like, <laughs> and I do the right thing. But, but there's something about, let's talk about your purpose. There's something about, I'm telling you, this goodness of the Lord, God, this, the God is good thing is a big deal. And we've got to get it in our thinking and get it in our response to bad things. Bad stuff happens. It happens to good people. But that doesn't mean God isn't good. It means the devil's bad. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, but I just, I know God is good. And God has a purpose for every generation. You know, Acts 13, 36, God, uh, the Bible says, David served the purpose of God in his own generation. And so every generation has a purpose. 
One of the things we're called to do as sons and heirs is to model Jesus. What did Jesus, who, what did Jesus do and what does he look like and what, what he actually did? And again, I think, I think he was very kind, but he was kind by healing the sick. Um, it says, First John 3, 8, the son of God appeared for this purpose to what? Destroy the works of the devil. That was the purpose. You're like, have some of you asked, what is my life purpose? Let me see your hands. If any of you have asked that question, maybe in the last year, let me put your hands up high and the rest of you that are lying, go ahead and uh, but it, it, be honest with yourself. But don't you want to know your purpose and do it? Amen. Well, we're supposed to. Sorry, I say amen. How do we know God is good? Because his son acts just like him. And so we need to act like Jesus. And we need to do what he did. And that means a lot of different things. We're distinctly designed for our purpose. You know, uh, we're divinely designed. We're peculiar. You know, when Pastor Robin introduced me, he's like, well, Mark's different. You know, a lot of times... You know, I just want you to know this. We're all different. You're all flipping weird. The Bible says you're peculiar. It's kind of like, well, Queen City Church. Yeah, well, they're, they're weird. They're peculiar. That's a weird church over there. Thank God. You know what? The Lord told me at the beginning of the year, he's going to raise up holy usurpers this year. That don't put up with people saying God's not good. And you're going to, in distinctiveness, you're going to come out and really blast that with the truth of how good God is in your unique distinctiveness. Amen? We're distinctly designed for our purpose and divinely designed and peculiarly designed and fearfully designed and wonderfully made. Right? A beaver cannot live as a deer. It just isn't. We've got all, I see deer on my property all the time. I got a, an acre on a lake and the deer, sometimes 20 of them, whole families will come at dusk and whatever. And they'll go by that. And then I see these little chipmunks go by, but a chipmunk is not a deer. It can say, I'm a deer, but you're not. You're designed to be a chipmunk to make trouble for me and me get out there with my gun and go, Pew, try to shoot you. By the way, my wife, you'd never imagine, she's killed so many squirrels. She ought to get a medal. We have, we have all these bird things around our house, these bird feeder things and squirrels. So we've had to figure out ways to stop them. So we've, we got about five different weapons, pellet guns, BB guns. And she'll go out there sometimes just kind of, and, and then she'll come and she goes, you need to bury a couple of squirrels I killed. I'll come home or something. She'll go, I killed a couple of squirrels getting in the feeders. I go, why? And then I, then I just, I started doing that and, and I'd shoot them, and then I'd go, I'm just going to leave them because there's so many things coming through our yard. Something's bound to pick it up. <laughs> and they come, and I guess it's a ride. Then one one night, we saw a raccoon grab a carcass, and we're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, But a, beer is, a, a, a beaver isn't a deer. A chipmunk isn't a horse. Uh, a finch can't be an alligator. You're designed for what you are, right? So uh, any attempt to live counter to that will make you spiritually and emotionally hollow. Whatever you're designed to be, if you try to be like somebody else, you're going to be miserable. 
So you are uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made. That passage that talks about that, it says, First Peter says you're peculiar. In other words, you're weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're weird. Uh, and it says here, Psalm 139, 13, go there, and we'll look at that. But it says, you form my inward parts, you covered um, me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And those words literally mean uh, you are created in a manner that produces awe and amazement, or you are, and you are created to be awesomely distinctive, not normal. You know, there is no normal. There is average, but there's no normal. But we're taught, well, you know, I don't want to be weird. Uh, I don't want to be weird like Mark. You know, I want to be normal. And I decided a long time ago, I'm going to be me. And you need to be you. Because if you're you, when you're doing what God's called you to do, then you can really make an effect. Amen? Right? The Bible says each one of us is, that word there is yari, and it means fearfully or distinctively made. Uh, then it says in verse 15, my frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in secret. Your eyes saw my substance and your book, they were all written. And I don't, I don't know if you know the story about, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the DNA code, but they didn't even, uh, they discovered DNA in 53. It took them 50 years to code to where they figured out what it exactly meant because there's three billion lines of code on every individual person but within if they get your dna it's a hundred almost a hundred percent 99.99 percent that it's just you and nobody else isn't that amazing that you're that unique isn't doesn't that kind of that kind of blows my mind that god made us so distinct but here's the part that gets to me God spoke things to you and spoke his thoughts into you before you were ever formed about who you were going to be and what you were going to do. It says in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me? How great is the sum of them? Three billion strands of genetic material. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. In other words... It basically says God imparted his thoughts to each of us, and it takes great effort. How can you reject that? I mean, God put giftings in you. He put your ability to do music. He put your ability to categorize. My wife is doing medical coding now, and she was always a little strange. (laughs) But she would make lists, and sometimes her lists were extremely uh, detailed, and she wasn't an administrator. Her administration was 37 years being a mom of three kids. She, she didn't work outside of the home until recently. And, uh, with all the grandkids getting older and things going on, we, I, I, I for a few years we talked about it and she wanted to do something she could do from home. So she's doing this, but it takes meticulous detail to do the job she's doing, but she's designed for it. I would, I am too ADD or whatever you want to call it. I'm too, like this, to got like focus on one chart, right? Are you all okay? So, uh, God, but God designed me to, I can actually do two things at the same time. I can walk and chew gum. Can anybody else do that? That's called multitasking. Uh, if you, but we're the Lord's workmanship and God made us very, very distinctive. And unless we can, you need the prophetic 
And you need people that prophesy over you to, to remind you who you are. Part of the prophetic, the reason for the prophetic isn't to reveal bad secrets. It's to reveal good secrets. Are, do you get, is anybody awake in this Presbyterian church? Okay. Uh, we're his workmanship created for good works. And good works aren't, well, we're going to go do some good works at the, the place today and hand out meals to the poor. That's, that's kindness, but that's not the good works Jesus talked about. Jesus' good works was healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, changing people's lives. Say changing people's lives. Don't you want to do that? You know, one word can change somebody's life. So you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not as astute and I'm not this. Quit comparing yourselves. Number one thing here, to find out who you are, you got to stop comparing. You'll never be Robin McMillan. Just give it up. You're, you know, model after the Jesus in him and them, but you're you. You got to figure it out yourself. And the cool thing is this generation in history has a purpose that my generation didn't have. Mine was the hippie Woodstock generation. I guess, I don't know what we were supposed to do, but I think we made a lot of people confused. <laughs> we had some pretty awesome music, I gotta say that. <laughs> and, you know, but, uh, uh, but my generation, the boomers had something, but this generation that's alive now, this generation has an awesome destiny and I think it's tied to that seer gifting and to, to change history. You're going to, uh, change so many people's lives. Uh, so you, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta quit comparing. Number one. Number two, one size does not fit all. You know, well, we're from the South. There's a lot of different kind of people in the South. You know, we're very hospitable. That's good. I, I like that. But one size doesn't fit all. And so we have to let go of, we got to let go of being normal and be ourselves. Does that, does that make sense? I know people come up to me and go, I just, something's wrong with me, pastor. I go, why? What, what's wrong? I go to sleep and all of a sudden at 3 a.m. I'm awakened and the, the Lord's speaking to me. I'm like, go on. <laughs> like, I just feel, then I, then I just wonder if it's the devil. I go, who's speaking to you? Well, the Lord's telling me all this stuff. I go, then you're good. It's good. But I, I just want to be normal. I said, you can't be normal and be a Christian. You have to be, you have to be the way God designed you. You have to conform to Jesus's standard in you. And you have to obey your conscience, not, your conscience isn't going to affect somebody else's conscience. And again, we don't cause each other to stumble, but we have to be us. Not at the expense of other people, but uh, we have to fulfill what God's called. We're going to stand before God one day, and he's not going to say, good to see you. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't do anything. It was Jeb's fault. You know, he just wouldn't let me. We can't do that. I want to stand before God and go, wow, you're an overachiever. You kind of overdid it, buddy. <laughs> you get this, that, and the other, but wow, you kind of surprised him. We, we all were betting that you wouldn't do this, but whoa, you shocked us. You know, the judgment seat of Christ isn't a bad thing. It's a rewards banquet. Well, knowing your identity is huge in this. I did, you gotta know your identity, who you are before you can find your assignment and go into that purpose. Like Jacob demanded a blessing and he's like, God, I can't, I can't, you're, 
I'm going to hang on to this. And he fought with the Lord to get a blessing. Remember that? Uh, Genesis 20, 32. And he came away with being called Israel. And that was his destiny. So God, God will identify what your destiny is, but we have to agree with it. And we got to get it straight and then not run from it. Once God gives us an identity and we know part of our call, and that's not complete. He doesn't show all of it at once necessarily. But once we get it, then we got to agree with it. Gideon. How about Gideon? He's a chicken. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you ever been a chicken? Well, anyway, have you? has anybody ever been afraid? I mean, remember Gideon, what a total loser this guy was. Gideon's hiding. I've been to Israel where the threshing floors are. And basically, they're just open areas. As you're, They're not high places. They're not low places. They're where the wind blows so they can throw up and uh, separate the uh, the wheat from the chaff. They throw it up in these windy areas. And it's it basically, it's just a piece of granite, you know, a piece of stone and uh, coming down a hill. And they would build these things there because it's a good place where it's windy. And they throw the... Uh, the winning fork up there and the stuff would come down. Well, he was hiding in one of those things. It says from the Midianites because they came every spring. And he goes, why is this happening? And an angel appeared. He goes, hi, mighty warrior. God said, you're a mighty warrior. He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> is there somebody else? Has God ever done that to you? Told you who you are and you go, not me. Can't do it. Boy, it got quiet here when I said that. You can't run from what God says. You can try. But then he then he, he took it, and he was a little scared. Remember? Uh, he said, you're a mighty warrior. And then a little later, it says, the Lord put him on like a glove. He literally put on Gideon. Uh, Judges 6.34, it says, he put Gideon on. He clothed him. Like a glove. It's very similar to the word that it says in Luke 24, 49. Go in Jerusalem and wait, and I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. Remember? Talking about Acts 8, Acts 2, 4, where they were clothed with the Spirit of God. It says, he put him on like a glove, and he blew a trumpet. And then then he goes, well, that's really cool. All these people showed up. And then he goes, okay, if you want me to, you want me to really be used, I'm going to go ahead and have to... Get another confirmation. Has anybody done that? Tried to get like three or four confirmations to make sure if it's really God. I remember one time I left this movement that we're in. I had to get five confirmations and God sent a Nigerian. He faxed me a prophecy. He sent a British prophetess. He sent an intercessor from Kansas City and two other people. And then I had a dream about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then I believed. Then I agreed with it. I really believe if I didn't agree with that, I wouldn't have been able to walk in it. Does that, are you, are you getting that? So God changed his identity. And you know the story. It, they, they had 32,000 show up, too many, went away down to 10, too many, 300, then three bands of 100, uh, basically just, uh, did a couple of things and they scared them and they killed themselves. You know, it was awesome. It was a, it was a great victory. But God had to change Gideon's identity so he could fulfill his destiny. He spoke to him what he was. David already knew his identity. He was a guardian. He was a warrior. And so he shows up there and he goes, who is this big guy? Who is this clown? Well, it's Goliath. He's telling us this and that. He goes, are you serious? What do I get for killing him? Pretty much. You don't see him inquiring of the Lord. 
Isn't that interesting? David inquires of the Lord the whole all through the Bible. Here he just just uh, what do I what do I get? Gold, girls, glory, whatever you want. Here, use my armor. No thanks. I already know who I am. Are, are, are you getting this? I already know who I am. I killed the lion and the bear. I'm a warrior. I got this. I'll take this guy out. And then he prophesied. He goes, hey, dude, I'm not only going to take you out. I'm going to cut your head off with your sword, which is, is wonderfully emblazoned in all children's ministry materials all over the Christian church to this day. You'll always open up to a three-year-old's book. Oh, look, here's the picture. And here's like, eh, you know, David, this, this head hanging. It's like, what a wonderful thing to show our kids. I'm just being funny. Okay. Uh, Jesus comes out of the water after baptism, and the father identifies him. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He ident- God will identify you, but you've got to agree with it. One of the ways I knew I was called to, to be involved in setting people free ministry incorporated or whatever. I knew that was part of it. I'm a baby Christian and a pastor named Larry goes, hey, Mark, uh, uh, I'm in a staff meeting. There's about 50 of us there and pa- new pastor on staff. Big charismatic church. We did a lot of deliverance and all this stuff. Definitely a bunch of charismatic, uh, a lot of teaching. And uh, this guy needed a prayer and He goes, uh, Mark, come here. I go, yes, Pastor Larry. He goes, I gotta do a, I'm, I'm meeting with a guy, a deliverance thing, and this young man's troubled, and would you come sh- and pray? You seem to, and I actually was leading the prayer meeting that morning, so I was, I love to pray. I'd pray for hours. And nobody told me I had to pray, and they go, wow, how do you pray like that? And I go, cause nobody said I couldn't. And people try to, people will try to stop you from being who you are. When you, if you're called to pray, they'll go, yeah, that's a little intense, you know. I mean, the, whoo, Johnny's a little out. Anybody that tries to shut you down is maybe trying to shut down. Now, I'm not talking about in meetings, but I'm talking about, I'm trying to, you can't be shut down from what God called you to be. I hope that, you all okay? Yeah, we do everything decently and in order. I got that. But we also don't squelch identity, Okay. So Pastor Larry goes, come. So we go, and here's this guy, and he's sitting there, and I meet him, and he's going through a manual on deliverance, you know, and he does, I don't know if he's ever done it. He goes, I haven't done this too much, but have you ever done it? I go, you know, and I'm a baby Christian. I'm just sitting there and in Jesus' name, but I'm praying. I'm standing around. He's just kind of sitting there with his suit, three-piece suit, you know, in the name of Jesus, and I'm walking around behind him like, shatakasatakapata. No, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm watching these kind of manifestations. The guy's kind of snarling and stuff, and he's going, no, in Jesus' name. You know, and the guy's very, he's a sweet man, and he's got a huge church in Florida, and God bless him. He's still around to this day. But great man, but, uh, you know, he's just, he, this isn't his thing, right? You can tell he's... And I'm just looking, I'm walking back, and he's not asking me, do I have anything? I'm just a prayer partner, right? In other words, he's doing the ministry I'm watching. But after a while, I just got so irritated. I go, uh, and this thing's manifesting. I go, hey, and I call out the name of this word that I got in my mind. And I don't remember what it was, but it was a demon. I go, hey, you, blank. And the thing goes, and pastor's like, You know, dust, dust is flying up from the religious 
pontification or whatever. I was like, hey, you, in Jesus' name, get out of him right now. And all of a sudden, and he falls on the floor and starts writhing. And then I go, okay, I think I'll walk over and finish this. And I mean it. Really? Comes out. Larry looks at me and he goes, well, maybe you should continue on. Anyway, that's how I got involved. God identified it. But I tell you this, when we were done with that guy, we, were, we, we had wasted an hour, and that was all over in about five minutes. And then we go back, and he goes, would you consider being my prayer partner next time? I go, sure. So the next time, we go in there, and he, I just take over, and he leaves. And then, and then I go, you know what, I'm like, I'm not getting, that's your job. I'll, if I'm supposed to do it, I'll do it. But we can't reject what the Lord identifies. Are you, you getting that? And the number one symptom of, that stops this is fear. Fear is, and by the way, but fear is a sign that you're likely uncertain about who you are. Because you're not confident, you don't have the confidence. I got real confident when that thing happened. I was like, wow, demons are subject. To me, I mean, I've been reading it. I've been praying it. I thought it was true. And then I go, well, maybe this is something I'm supposed to do. Um, you're not under slavery anymore. You're sons, your daughters, your heirs. You have a purpose. There's something, look at me. There's something only you can do. And you can't say, well, you know, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. You can't say that. There's a specific God-designed call, purpose, uh, assignment that only you can do. Does that make sense? It's true. For your le- If you're led, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery. So the devil uses fear, and it's really a symptom, not really, and it can be a hindrance. Okay, why is this not happening? It can be a hindrance, but it's, it's mainly a symptom because, uh, because the Lord wants us to, the Lord wants us to press through. He wants us to look. It says, uh, we're not to fall back into fear for you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So fear is used to attack our God-given identity. Like this, fear of man. What are they going to think if I step out? Uh, fear of rejection. What if, what if I don't pray? Like I, I talked to a kid the other uh, night at a prayer meeting at this church we're involved in. And he goes, well, you know, I see this. I kind of look at people and I see something on them. I go, he goes, and then I start to go, yeah, but what are they going to think? When I talk to them, I go, I don't know what they're going to think, but I do know the fear of rejection is hindering you. So just press through it. So he pressed through it, and all kind of stuff happened. People get healed, but he, but he, he just had to press through. Not all of us are going to do that, but we're going to do something. Not all of us can do everything. Not all of us are called to heal the sick, raise the dead on a daily basis like that, but who says you can't? Amen? I mean, who's stopping? What, what is stopping you? So I think the bigger question is, we can't let anything stop us. Your identity is who God says you are. Um, and why don't we understand that? We have a, we have a celebrity idolatry culture that destroys your uniqueness. You're like, well, you know, Justin Timberlake, uh, I want to sing like him. 
Maybe you don't sing like him. I mean, God bless this sweet little Emerson. I mean, I got two words for her. YouTube. Get it on YouTube. What an anointing she has on her. But she's, no, that's because her parents are going, go. Just go. Now, well, you know, let's go this way. Put on my armor. (laughs) Saul couldn't get it done. Don't let somebody that can't get it done give you their armor. Does this make sense to anybody? Is anybody awake yet? We have people we think we want to be like. Maybe we shouldn't be like them. Fear thrives. Uh, Jesus told us not to fear because of our value. He basically says, you're so valuable, you have no reason to fear. I've got such a dis- destiny, a purpose, an assignment for you. If you don't do it, it isn't going to get done. The Lord told me one time, I said, one time we were going through something in Atlanta, and I said, Lord, there's this horrible drought here. I don't know what to do. And he goes, what do you? And I said, Lord, what are you going to do about it? He goes, what are you going to do about it? Like that. Like, what are you going to do about it? And I go, I guess I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I knew. And and I was part of, it's a long story, but it was all behind the scenes, and nobody will ever know but God. Maybe a few people know. But basically, something happened, and God stopped it. But but it wouldn't have happened unless a number of people agreed with their assignment. Does that make sense? Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Hebrews 10.35. Hindrances to finding our identity. Let me wrap this up. Well, laziness is a big one. We can just go, well, you know, God knows my dress. He's sovereign. He can find me. It's like this. How many of you have done landscaping? Anybody done landscaping? When God sent them out, he didn't say, I'm sending you, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now, don't do it, but I'm telling you to do it. He, when he tells you something, in the telling is the ability to do it. Does that, does that make sense? So if you send out a landscaping company and say, you go to 99955 Laurel Leaf Lane, and you gotta, uh, you're supposed to mow the yard, trim the hedges, haul away all the brush, uh, delim a couple of trees by the front yard and, you know, and they have a list and do it. What if they got there and they go, you are sent. I send you to 955 Laura Leaf Lane. Yes, boss. Get the equipment out and we stand there. What if they stood there and just said, picked up the phone, all of them, boss, help me mow this yard. I don't know how to mow it, but I sent you. Do you have the equipment? Yes. Lord, you're going to have to come and mow this yard. What would happen if you called your boss at a landscaping company? You would be fired. You're fired. You know, our chief executive, you're fired. So that's laziness. And identity can be discovered that way. But we can't blame God. We have to agree with it. Pride, which, and insecurity. Insecurity is we want to be like everybody else. Pride is like, well, who am I to take that job? Who am I? Maybe you're the only one that'll do it. We have a little lady in the church uh, in Atlanta. I'm not in uh, my son's church anymore. I turned the church over to my son. And I'm in another church helping a church called Encounter. But uh, there was a lady there. She goes, I just want to stop sex trafficking. So she said, I'm going to get a piece of land. I'm going to build a house and just said, I'm going to do it. And it's like, okay, God gave her a vision. So 
So did you have a church meeting and tell everybody and raise a bunch of money? Nope. She said, Lord, give it to me. She goes to her mother. Her mother had a piece of property. She goes, Mom, I feel like the Lord wants me to have this property. She goes, okay, I'll give it to you. So she did it over. So there's the property. She goes, I feel like I'm supposed to have a house on it. She goes, there's already a house on it. Oh, next, next. Well, I need a, I need a backhoe to clear the land. She drives up there with the husband. They drive and they see a backhoe on the side of the road. They go, sure, is this for sale? I say, well, nobody's buying it. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, it's not, it's, nobody's buying it. She goes, she goes, I want to buy it. And he goes, well, I, you know, I can't sell it. It's, you know, it works great, but nobody's been able to buy it. I go, well, what's the price on it? Well, I had so many thousand dollars. She goes, I'll give you so much for it. And he goes, okay. She goes, I tell you what, uh, when you drop it off, can you t- take down some trees for me and show me how it's done? Oh, sure. So he comes and he pretty much clears the whole lot for nothing. And she's just rolling. Her husband's like watching her like, but the, but that religious thing says you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Who are you to do that? Are, are you getting this? So who's the voice? Like Pastor Robin just said, who's the voice saying you can't do it? Who's making you feel bad about it? That's not God. God wants you to do exploits, to do extraordinary things, to change the world, to change your environment, change the people around you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes. You ever heard of a guy named John Mason? This is an awesome guy, but he basically says this. He has a few quotes. He goes, you are born in original. He's a Christian. You're born in original. Don't die a copy of somebody else. I have, and then he said this, I have found it's better to be alone than in the wrong company. A single conversation with the right person could be more valuable than many years of study. And basically what he was saying is there are people that will surround you to tell you and pigeonhole you and tell you what you can't do. Those are not the kind of friends that you want. You want friends that believe in your dreams. You want friends that will, that will, that will, uh, provoke you to jealousy and want to move forward. Uh, and ori- another thing he said is an original is hard to find, but easy to recognize. I'm an original. I want to be an original. I want people to say, well, I, I like that Mark guy. He's weird. But I'm me. I'm not trying to be somebody else. It, are you, are you okay with this? Because God didn't design you to, you can't do my job, I can't do your job. If we're not all doing our job, we're like, why are so many bad things happening in the world? Church sitting on their hands. I mean, let's get real. Let's cut the, to the chase. If we were active, 12 people changed the world. Jesus picked 12, one deny him, one betrayed him, right? One doubted him and he still changed the world. Jesus told us not to fear. Stand up if you would. And here's what I want to do. I want to pray for those people. I want you to just lift your hands, but I want you, once you just do this, kind of, kind of shut yourself off from everybody around you, just close your eyes for a minute and think about this. I, what I want to do today, just like Pastor Robin just did, I want to break anything that's stopping you. Whatever it is that's stopping you from stepping into your calling, your anointing, your placement, your purpose, 
And a word I have for everybody, there's several people in here, but one person in particular, but several, is like the, Joe, uh, Joshua. Joshua, the Lord told Joshua, you will go, but no man will be able to stand before you the rest of your life. No one. Now, I want you to know this. The devil comes in the form to resist you. He uses people, just like people tried to, uh, you know, religious leaders and others hung Jesus to the cross. The Jews rejected him. You know, the, the priesthood wasn't nice to Jesus, by the way. But anything that's stopping, I want to say, if you know and you feel right now there's something hindering you, stopping you, holding you back, I want you to put your hand up. Put your right hand up real quick, all over the place, wherever you are. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Keep your hand up. I'm going to pray for every one of you right now. Just Everybody just lift your hands to heaven and pray this with me. Repeat after me, because I think this will be the best way to minister to you. Say, Lord Jesus, you're my king. You're my God. I believe you have great things for me. I believe destiny is calling me. I believe there are, there are tasks that I'm supposed to do. But I want to I wanna do them. And so everything in me, Everything outside of me and everything in my mind, in, my, in wrong thinking, in a view of you or a view of others that hinders me, I repent, I renounce, I reject, I agree this morning at Queen City Church on May 21st, 2017, I agree with the calling, the anointing, and the assignment and the identification you placed on me. I want to be who you've called me to be. I declare right now, no weapon formed against me and against my assignment will prosper. And I shake it off right now. In the name of Jesus, I reject it. I refuse fear. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. And so I thank you for victory. And I thank you for power to press through and grace to finish my assignment. Father, I release grace this morning over this body. All these people standing here, they called out to you. Right now, I release supernatural grace. I break the spirits of fear of man. I, I break the spirits of fear of rejection. And I ask you to release power and faith to go farther. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That's good. God's good. And so, Reverend, did I finish on time? Am I in trouble? Why don't you have a seat? We're going to receive an offering for Mark this morning. Our ushers will come forward. If you would like uh, an envelope, if you raise your hand, we'll be glad to get you an envelope. Mark has some books in the back. He'll be glad to uh, sell you those books and sign them. Maybe he'll pray for you too. That'd be cool. So make checks out to Queen City Church. This entire offering will go to Mark. We'll just be a blessing to him. Just give you just a moment before we pass the buckets. People still have their hands raised for envelopes all the way in the back. Yep. 
Hey, I had a great scripture here I was thinking about this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, one of Mark's emphasis is on the power of God. Say, say with me, the power of God is important. It's important. Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me read that again. That your faith, say, say with me, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yes. That's awesome, that your faith should not be. I have recognized over the years that many people develop their theology based on how to live without trusting God. If you analyzed a lot of people's theology, that's what it boils down to. But there's no good news, bad news, and it's the same thing. There's no escaping trust in the Lord. (laughs) That's both good news and bad news. because, But the wonderful thing is, when Mark was talking about God is good, trust is developed. How, how many of you, in all honesty, have trouble at times trusting the Lord? Yeah, look at Mark raise his hand. I'm raising mine. But here, here's the key to it. Trust is proven over time. And what the Lord will do is he will continually prove to you He's trustworthy to build your trust. And so when the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus, never be condemned because you're having trouble trusting the Lord. The only reason you should trust me is I've proven myself to be trustworthy to you. You don't owe it to me. And in a sense, we don't owe it to the Lord. But he wants to prove to you that he's trustworthy. He wants to prove to you to such a high degree that you will absolutely obey him whenever he shows you different things to do. So, okay. Who's, who's had any, someone had serious back trouble this week? Yeah, why don't you stand up if you've had serious back trouble this week? I felt like the Lord wanted to touch some people. Yeah. How about not serious back trouble, but back trouble you'd like to be healed from? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was round two of identifying the back trouble people. Okay, we have ministry teams at the end of the service that will be glad to pray for you over here in just a few minutes. But let's do this. To end today's meeting, I want you to come out of your seats and gather around these people standing. And let's do what Mark said spontaneously here. Let's lay hands on these people. I'll help you through it. I'll help you talk through it. Stick your hand up in the air if you're a back trouble person and lower it when someone comes and touches you. And so we'll make sure everybody's covered. Okay, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to stand in opposition to the devil, the father of lies, whose primary purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So in the name of Jesus, 
we command every evil spirit, every evil thing's purpose to be broken now in Jesus' name. Now, who agrees with me there? Just say, I agree. I agree. Let's pray this. We agree right now that the power of darkness has been broken. Now we speak healing come. Healing come now. Healing come now in the name of Jesus. We take authority over sickness and disease in his name. Okay, just speak healing. Just simply say, I release to you healing in Jesus' name. Just speak it. Speak it out. Speak to the back. Speak to this person's back. Okay, now let's stop a second. Everybody look at me. People with back trouble, test your back a little bit to see if it's any better. Is yours better? And that was the dear lady who stood up with the terrible back trouble problem. How about anyone? Wave at me if if you know the Lord did something with your back. You did know. Okay. We've had two or three already out of this number, so... Let's do one more thing. Let's pray another time. Go back to these people you were praying for and assume the posture of big-time faith, okay? Lay hands on them again. Let's get some more out of this than what we have already. So begin just to speak healing. Take authority. Pray in Jesus' name. Don't ask God to heal them. He told you to come heal them. You got the lawnmower, cut the grass. Speak in the name of Jesus. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you're laying hands on someone now, say recover. Recover. We authorize recovery for you this morning in Jesus' name. Full restoration. Now I'm looking over here at Rusty Shield. Rusty... A couple years back, we were having a prayer time for a guy's back, and we weren't even praying for Rusty, but Rusty got a deviated septum completely healed, and he, if I'm getting this right, Rusty, he's with the Charlotte police, and he, didn't you do drug busts for marijuana and stuff, and you probably couldn't even smell it at one point because your nose was so messed up? That's a messed up nose when you can't smell pot, ladies and gentlemen. Can you smell pot now, Rusty? Not right now. <laughs> Thank God. Well, I don't care if you smell like pot this morning and you're here. We'll pray for that too. But uh... All right, folks. Have a great week. Thank you for coming. If you need more ministry, please come up front on this side of the auditorium. Go buy Mark's books and just have a great week.